Hi, everyone. Hi. Can you guys hear me in the cheap seats back there? Yeah? That's awesome. Uh, I, um, I was, on my way over here, I was thinking the first time I spoke at Blueprint. It was 10 years ago. Ten years ago, you guys weren't meeting here, you were meeting at a cafe, and uh, most of you weren't here, actually. And I was thinking about that, I mean, that was so beautiful, and uh, as man Brennan, that was just, that was a beautiful send-off. I was part of one last night as well for uh, a, a couple of family that was leaving Urban Vision, and and same kind of same kind of thing where there's this like deep connection this sense of belonging and this deep grief you know as you release somebody into a new season of their life and i think it's probably pretty important tonight that maybe maybe you realize that 10 years from now you won't probably be sitting in this room and you need to squeeze the most that you can out of the community you have while you have it because this following Jesus life is, is a lifetime of saying goodbye. We send people out and we're sent out. I remember when I was in Minneapolis and we had, we had started this church and it was, you know, it was, um, I mean, Blueprint reminded me a lot of, of uh, the salvage yard back in the States uh, when I first got here. And I remember when we were starting it and we'd send people out, you know, and it was always sad and everybody would cry and it was... You know, it was so hard. And then, then one night, somebody came up to me and said, you know, Mark, someday we'll probably be sending you out. I'm like, no. <laughs> and I started this church. I'm not leaving. And a few years later, I was, I was, it was Kirsty and I. And we were bawling our eyes out as we, uh, as we said goodbye to this real precious community. And um, you don't always find it. Uh, I think it's God's intention that we always find it. It's God's intention that churches look like this, where you come and you belong, and you don't have to perform in order to belong. That's, that's God's intention for the way this stuff is supposed to work. But we don't always find it, and, and, and sometimes it's, it's hard to get there. And I wouldn't take what you have for granted. Do not take this for granted. Squeeze the most out of it that you can. And uh, don't, don't hold back. Um, I think that's, um, that might be a word for your group tonight, perhaps. I'm going to read, um, it's good to see um, some of the people that once in a while show up at St. Tom's, and if you were here this morning, sorry, <laughs> but I'm going um, to read from the lectionary that we read this morning, and I'm going to make some comments about it. It's kind of a full-on passage, and so uh, I'll see what I can do, Okay. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. But what does it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? What will they give in return for their life? But the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what he's done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So you have this, this little scene in Jesus' life, and it comes right after he had asked his disciples uh, a question. He said, who do people say that I am? And so they throw out a bunch of answers, and, and he says, well, yeah, but who do you, who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? And Peter, he says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, well done, Peter, well done. Uh, you didn't get that on your own. You're not that bright. That was given to you from God. And so it was like, and then he speaks prophetically over Peter. And right after that, he says, but you need to know, this is what it looks like for me to be the Christ. For me to be the Messiah, this is what it looks like. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'll be raised again. And Peter says, no, it's not going to work that way. That's not how it ends. We win. That's how it ends. Not you die. What good is a dead Messiah? That's not how the story goes. I know how the story goes, Jesus. You have it wrong. And Jesus calls him Satan. That's pretty harsh to call you like your number one guy, Satan. Why? That's, that's harsh, isn't it? And he says, get behind me. Why would he, why would he be so harsh about what, what Peter just said? I mean, Peter wants Jesus to live. He doesn't want him to die. But I think what's behind that is why he's so harsh is that there is a way of life that actually destroys our soul. It actually doesn't lead to life. And Peter was operating by that way of life. I think that's why Jesus was so strong with him. He said, this is, you can't do this, Peter. You, you can't live this way. It will kill you. If you live this way, you'll lose your soul. You won't have life. And so... You know, he goes on to say, this is what it looks like for all of you, he says. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my student, my apprentice, if you want to be that, then you need to deny yourself and you need to take up your cross and you need to follow me. Because that's the only way it works. This isn't like if you do this, like, it's not like the entrance fee. You know, I deny myself, I got my cross, now, I, now I'm in. It's, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. He's not saying, I won't let you if you don't do this. He's saying, it doesn't work any other way. This is actually the way this life works. Is that you lay down your life, you deny yourself, and you pick up your cross, and you follow me. Uh, do not, you know, do, picking up your cross in that culture, obviously, if, if you were in, in that 
lived during that time and you saw somebody carrying a cross, it meant their life was over. Right? People don't, people that just carry a cross around, it meant they were about to die. And Jesus uses that picture. For some of his disciples, that was literal. It's like, this is your future. You will carry a cross and you will die this way. But he's also using it as a picture. And what he's saying is, well, becoming my, my disciple, my student, my apprentice, becoming that means that, that life as you know it has now ended. So instead of life with me at the center and everything revolving around me, I reorganize my life so that it revolves around Jesus. It's the only way it works. It doesn't work any other way. And when we try to make it work the other way, it gets really, really frustrating. And there's no power in it. There's no power in that kind of life. So a few things about that that I'll mention. Uh, if, if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, it means that some of the way that I think and some of the ways that I manage my life have to change. I can't add Jesus to that way of life. It just doesn't do it. It's, it's, it doesn't work that way. So it means that I have to switch the way that I think about who I am and about who God is and about how life works. Now, for most of us, that doesn't happen overnight. For most of us, that's like this long process. But it begins somewhere. It begins somewhere where I go, this is what I want. Like, I, I want this kind of life. And I know I've got stuff that doesn't line up. I just don't know all the stuff that doesn't line up. So I'm going to need some help to, to try to sort that out. The thing is, is that, that, you know, we can deny ourselves, and we can take up a cross, and we can follow Jesus. And, but we can sometimes take up a cross that he's not giving us to carry. And I think sometimes... That we go through, you know, you know that whole deconstruction thing that all of us at some point do. Well, not all of us do. All of us should do at some point. <laughs> Think through our faith and, and work through that. Sometimes what happens is we have a leader who says, you've got to be hardcore if you want to follow Jesus. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And this is what it looks like. I'll tell you exactly what it looks like. This is what it looks like to carry your cross. And they give you this list of things that you have to do. And if you don't do those things, you don't get, get accepted by the group. But they give you this list of things. And this is what it looks like. And you carry this cross around. And at some point you go, wait a second. What am I doing? This isn't true. And so we throw that off. And sometimes we throw it all out. Because we're carrying a cross that we weren't supposed to carry. It wasn't one that Jesus told us to carry. We thought it was, but it wasn't. And sometimes we throw it all out and we walk away from Jesus. Now some of us have done that, but mercifully God grabbed us and brought us back and said, Okay, yeah, yeah, you got some of that right. It's a lot of it wrong. Let's try that again. And you kind of work through that again. But some people don't come back. And they pick up the wrong cross. And they throw that one off. And, and nowadays, I think the end thing to do, once you throw off that cross, the advice is to look within. 
Because if you look within, you will find the truth. That's not always true. In fact, a lot of times it's not true. Now I know we're created in the image of God. And I know there's a lot of good stuff going on in there. But boy, we've, we've been formed by a world that's opposed to God. We've been formed by a world that's kind of mis, just a little bit misaligned or a lot misaligned. And so if I look inside, some of that's going to be formed by that world. Jesus is talking to guys who grew up in a religious culture. It was the culture that was supposed to speak for God, right? They're the ones who killed Jesus. They were formed by that culture, and he said, huh, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, even though you were formed by this culture that was supposed to do it right, so that you wouldn't have to deny yourself. So we have been formed, whether we want, we just have, everybody's formed, we're formed by something, and we have to get reformed. And so some of that is denying the stuff within ourselves that just got misformed. And so we take on a new cross, but the new cross won't destroy my soul. It will allow me to actually live life in all of its fullness the way God created me to live. It's a pretty big deal. <clears throat> but you know what's cool? A lot of things are cool. If, if God begins to reshape me, and, and when his desires become my desires, I don't always have to deny myself. Then the stuff that I want is actually what he wants. Wouldn't that be awesome? If I got to do what I wanted all the time, because it was what God wanted, that'd be an awesome life, wouldn't it? I'd never have a bad day. Because right now, I have a bad day if I don't get my way all day. Right? That's the definition of a bad day. I didn't get my way. Definition of a good day, I got my way the entire day. What if God is able to shape our desires so that the cross he gives us is light and the burden is wait the burden is light wouldn't that be awesome I think that's what God wants us to become those kind of people that genuinely really desire his kingdom and not just the big macro kingdom where all the justice is done but the, the stuff in my own heart that I genuinely want that oh that would be great to live that way the second thing about this, though, is that there, there is a way of living that totally disconnects my soul from, from me. But it looks really good on the outside because it gets me applause or it gets me stuff, it gets me approval, it helps me belong. And I can live that way. I can, I can step into that kind of life and I can live it, but eventually I'm going to be so disconnected from my soul that it's going to just hurt. And if I ever stop and I'm silent long enough, I'm going to realize how much pain I'm in. Because I'm, I'm living out this life that doesn't lead to life. And a good way to test this, and I'm sure you guys do this around here occasionally, is just be silent for a while. And maybe your soul will make an appearance. And it will go, I'm dying. 
Or maybe it'll make an appearance and say, this is life. This is what it looks like. But we're, we're shaped by a world that gives us a life, puts a cross on us that will destroy our soul. And if we don't do something different, we will live that way. If we don't push in the opposite direction, that is the life we will live because we were formed in it. We just were. Another thing about this, though, is that like there's a promise in there. Did you hear the promise where Jesus said, uh, when the Son of Man comes, he comes with the angels, um, he's going to reward those people. And there's almost this, this sense that, okay, Jesus is calling us to this hardcore, you know, hardcore life where I deny myself, take up my cross, I follow him, and there's times where I don't know that if it's worth it. And he gives us this promise that at the end, we for sure will know that it was worth it. But there's kind of sometimes in the middle where we go, oh, this is really hard. This like changing, you know, how I think and, and how I live. This is really hard. And the opposition is real, you know. And if you step into this really fully and you live it out loud, there's mockery and there's, you know, in, at least in this country, there's mockery and that kind of stuff. Other countries, it's worse. Where that's like a, that's a real deal. And, and you're in the middle of that and you go, God, please, I hope this is worth it. Have you ever had that moment? Where you're just like, you're just hanging on, you're trying to get through this thing. I hope it's worth it. I've been, um, I've been trying, I've been following Jesus for, for almost 45 years now. Don't I look holy? I, I, it's just like there's this glow. I've had many times where I was just hanging on. Say, God, I hope you're real. God, please be real. Or, oh, you know, I'm making this sacrifice. It feels like a sacrifice. And I really hope it's worth it. Because it doesn't feel like it's worth it right now. I'm just hanging on. I have many stories in my life like that. And you know what? I imagine I'll still have some of those going forward. Where I'll make a decision and I'll do something and I'll go, oh, God. Like, you know, we had this crazy thing happen to us, Kirsty and I. Uh, for some reason, I just had this, this thought a year ago. I just said, oh, we should, we should get a house bus. I, I have no idea why. Like, I, I, I don't, you know, I didn't have a bus driver license. I don't want to drive up. I don't want, I don't, we live in Newtown. What do you park on a bus? And so I'm like, oh, okay, yep. And then and then we go to this this camp, and we're, you know, we're we went to an Easter camp, and we were praying over some of the kids. But some some guy came in, and and he decided to pray for us, and he shook my hand. He goes, I see a bus, I see you driving a bus, I see you a big team driving in a bus and going places and just being this bus of light. And I'm like, what? And he said, you know how to put wheels on a bus? I don't know how to put wheels on a bus. <laughs> And we started praying into that, and, and, and now we have this team, and it's called Wheels on the Bus. And last summer, we went on the road. 
And we, we had this awesome experience, you know, of, of just going into these places and being this traveling Jesus community and just connecting with people who really never, never had a chance to hear about Jesus in a way they could understand. We had this really cool time. But, you know, in December, I had to get a bus license. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in my late 50s. Right? And so I was like, I gotta get a bus license. And I and, and it's like, I don't even, I'm, I'm from Minneapolis. Like, I can, you know, I'm like, God, I don't wanna get a bus license. And I felt like God saying, get a bus license. Okay, so I, so I, I took a course. You know, first of all, I studied for my, my what is it, his permit? What is it called? Is it permit? Whatever it is. I studied for this test. Right? So I study for this test, and I study, and I study, and, and, and I get through it, and I'm sweating bullets to get through it. And then I paid, like, all this money to take this course. And, and so I took this course. I took this course, and then I had to take my test. And so I'm driving this truck that I've, you know, that I've never driven before, and I'm driving this, and I'm going, God, what am I doing? This is so stupid. I, like, I feel absolutely foolish here. I feel like I'm 16. I'm taking a driver's test. And I'm driving up. I got to drive a truck. I don't know how to do it. You know, and I get through this. And the only reason I got through it is because I paid a lot of money to this company. And their goal was to give me a license. So just a heads up. There's some people on the road. All they've done is paid a lot of money to get their class two license. They really don't know how to drive. I'm dead serious on that. So then I go get our bus. Right, the little truck, you know, I took a test in was short. We, we had like an 11-meter bus. And so I got behind the wheel and I said, God, this better be worth it. Because I am, like, I'm scared to death. I drove from Waikanae down to Newtown uh, in the dark, in the rain, sweating bullets the whole way. Just sweating bullets. And I pull up in front of our house and everybody comes running out cheering. It's like, we have a bus now. We're going to go on the road. And we went on the road, and it was awesome. But the whole time we were, I was that whole process leading up to it. I just kept saying, "God, this better be worth it. It's really better be worth it, because this is really embarrassing. I don't want to do it, and it's painful." The promise is that if we deny ourselves, we deny this life where I'm just seeking my own self-preservation, which is what Peter was doing. If I live that kind of, if I if I don't live that way, if I stand like Brene Brown says, if I'm vulnerable, I actually listen to her podcast by the way. <clears throat> I don't agree with a, f- a, a few things. <clears throat> God bless her; she's doing some good stuff. Um, what was I saying? I totally lost my train of thought thinking about Brene. Huh? Vulnerable. If I choose to live that way instead of not protect myself, but I'm going to live this way, I just need to know that in the process of that, there's times where it's not going to seem like it's worth it. We're just not quite sure. And if you're in that space right now, like if you're like just, maybe you're just starting out with this whole Jesus thing, you're not really sure about it. If you're in that place right now, you know what I would say? Well, obviously I would say, just keep going. Hang on. I have a lot of regrets in my life. I mean, if 
I think if you don't, when you get to my age, you haven't really tried to live. But when I look back, I don't regret following Jesus. I don't regret my choice at all. And I've had some amazing adventures in my life and some real painful ones. I do not regret saying yes to Jesus. I don't regret trying to step into this way of life. 